This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the B Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response, an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. Teal Talk Radio Season 4, Episode 42. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 42 of TL Talk Radio, a regular podcast with Lynn Funy-Hatton and Randy Ziegenfuss, where our goal is to engage you in learning, motivate you to share your work, and inspire you to lead for the change we need in schools for the digital age. I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. And I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. So good morning. Today we are welcoming back attorney Aaron Gilsbach, and you may recall that we've spoken to Aaron in two previous episodes this season. Episode 23 on Schools and the Children's Online Privacy and Protection Act, and Episode 38 on Crowdfunding and DonorsChoose.org. Today, we're shifting our focus a bit, and we're going to talk with Aaron about some potential issues with audio and video recording. So first, a little bit about Erin. Erin's the Executive Director of Ed Law Interactive, and she is an experienced speaker and author at the state and national levels on matters regarding school law. She currently serves as the president of the PA School Boards Association, Solicitor Association, as well as a member of the board of directors of the National School Boards Association Council of School Attorneys. Attorney Gilsbach specializes in providing professional development training for schools nationwide on trending legal issues regarding school law issues and performing policy and procedure legal defensibility audits. She, she is a frequent presenter and author for a number of national organizations and publications, including PSBA, NSBA, the PA Bar Institute, the National Business Institute, LRP Publications, and the 2018 LRP Special Ed Institute. Uh, the Missouri Council of Special Education Administrators. And finally, Erin is currently writing a book for LRP Publications on Student Health Services and the Law that is scheduled for publication in the fall. So welcome back to the show, Erin. Thank you. We're very grateful to have uh, developed this connection with you this season uh, on our podcast because you brought uh, so many interesting uh, topics to our audience. And, you know, back in our 
our little tagline up top when we say, um, you know, leading schools uh, for the digital age. And today we want to talk about audio and video recording, which certainly uh, is a lot different in the digital age than it was maybe when you and I and all of us went to school. So to kick things off, how does recording in the classroom in this digital age or even in meetings raise any sort of legal privacy concerns? Talk to us about that. Yeah, well, you know, the like you said, you know, the digital digital recording these days. I mean, we can uh, you know, we can envision recording devices in pretty much anybody's pocket because people are carrying around cell phones that are able to record um, both sound bites as well as you know lengthy conversations, video, audio, you name it. So there are um, some potential privacy uh, issues, and I think that a lot of schools are concerned about those privacy issues. Uh, you know, certainly um, the Federal Family Education Rights and Privacy Act (FERPA) is designed to protect student privacy. Um, and, you know, recording of, you know, especially illicit recording of conversations um, that may be going on between, you know, a teacher and a student or something like that uh, could could pose some potential concerns. Um, there are certainly ways to, you know, attempt to avoid those types of things. Obviously, you know, making sure that you are having those conversations in uh, rooms and areas that are truly private that are not subject to other students, because if there's another student there who might be able to hear it and record it, you know, the, the fact that they're there may be, you know, an issue altogether. So, you know, the, the privacy issues are significant, but there are, you know, there's certainly things that schools can do to make sure that that information isn't being discussed or, um, you know, brought to light in, a, in, a, in a, an area where there could be recording going on. So talk to us a little bit about the state and federal wiretap laws that preclude recording in the classroom. Yeah, so there are, you know, all states, um, I believe all states except one have um, at, at least some version of a, of a wiretap law, uh, as well as, you know, there's a federal wiretap law as well. So, you know, those laws preclude um, recording and even eavesdropping. It doesn't necessarily have to be recorded. Um, you know, and, and the different states have different definitions and different um, things that they preclude and that they permit. But essentially, there are two different types of laws. Um, there's a one party consent law where only one party, as long as one party in the conversation gives consent, um, it can be um, intercepted or recorded. Or, you know, uh, in Pennsylvania here, we have what we call a multi-party or all-party consent law. Sometimes uh, those are referred to as two-party consent laws, but it's, it's really usually, you know, the, the general gist of it is that everybody in the party has to consent to, you know, wiretapping or eavesdropping or recording. So the, the term wiretap is kind of old-fashioned. It kind of, you know, makes us think, you know, Cold War era, you know, technology. <laughs> uh, but what it really prevents is recording or even, um, you know, somebody listening in on a conversation. So a live stream, for instance, a live stream audio um, would may implicate that, et cetera. So, but I mean, schools need to be concerned about those types of things, but those are more likely to come up where there is illicit 
you know, recording or, or eavesdropping going on. Um, what those laws really do is they, they hinge upon the expectation of privacy of those in the room. So if you have a big room and you're talking to a group, um, the wiretap laws aren't going to come into play because there isn't an expectation of privacy. There isn't an expectation that what I say here is going to be private. Mm -hmm. That being said, if you have, you know, a small, you know, discussion among a couple of people, or maybe even a, a quiet discussion in the back of the room that is not intended to be heard by everybody, um, that's where you may have, you know, some of the wiretap issues come into play, as well as, you know, potential FERPA issues at that point. Um, so they, both of them hinge upon that expectation of privacy. FERPA's expectation of privacy is set forth in the in the statute and the and the regulations themselves. And the wiretap laws, the expectation of privacy. Again, it's going to depend on which which law you're looking at and which state. Um, but they really do, um, you know, they they are individually determined, and and you know, in many cases, the courts have since made a, made subsequent decisions. Really you know, narrowing down what that means, you know, who has an expectation of privacy, where is it reasonable to have an expectation of privacy. Um, but it certainly is, you know, foreseeable that that some of the recording that goes on, especially if it's being done, um, you know, without the knowledge of the school or without the knowledge of the educators or even of the uh, of the other students, um, that some of that may run afoul of some of the wiretapping laws. Mm -hmm. So most of our listeners are uh, leaders in schools and leading in this digital age, and there's certainly lots of technology trends going on and developing not only in our own uh, domain of education, but certainly in the world outside, and they're sorting, starting to move their way onto, onto our radar. So what are some of these trends uh, that impact this idea of uh, recording in the classroom? How might these trends pose some issues uh, in recording in the classroom? Well, I've been seeing a lot of trends where, um, you know, schools will come to me and they'll say, we, we want a policy because parents are bringing in um, devices. There are some, some popular devices now, and one of them is called AngelSense, and there are other similar devices where um, the students can bring them in. They're essentially functioning as, uh, I think their primary function is purported to be a GPS tracker, um, and a lot of them are used to safeguard students who have multiple disabilities or, um, you know, severe disabilities that they're, they may not, perhaps they're nonverbal or they're not able to, they, maybe they, they want away and their parents are concerned about knowing where they are but as a as an aside function they have uh, many of them have what we call a parent listen-in fe feature or a function um, it doesn't necessarily record although that wouldn't preclude you know somebody from recording it on the back end um, but it's a streaming feature that the parents can turn on and off so I've heard a lot of people um, you know come to me, you know, asking about that, you know, what can, should I allow these? Um, are they, are they posing any issues? Um, and, you know, so that's, that's an IEP team issue uh, to talk about whether or not those types of devices are going to be permitted. 
um, whether or not they're necessary for the child's education. Uh, but most of the time, you know, the, that listening feature is, is more of a convenience of parents uh, as opposed to something that is educationally necessary or necessary for faith. So, mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've been hearing a lot of schools come up with questions about that. Um, we've, we, you know, we've uh, talked that over extensively at the National Council of School Attorneys. Um, and we've, you know, we've even had, um, you know, attorneys contact the company directly to see what schools can do about, you know, regulating even at least knowing when it's on and when it's not on so that they can make sure that they're at least aware of, you know, when that's when that's potentially happening and not. But I mean, so so a lot of schools do prohibit them, you know, unless it's something that's necessary for faith. Um, the other thing that we're seeing a lot more of, I think, is live streaming from the classroom. Mm. Um, you know, live streaming of classrooms, maybe for students who are homebound, who can't come to class, um, or even live streaming just so that students can watch it later on. And that's something that, you know, it may have, again, some of those privacy and wiretap implications. It's, you know, it's certainly definitely something that schools can use and they, you know, they can, it's a great, um, you know, it's a great tool if they do it correctly, but they do have to be really careful and they have to plan ahead in terms of establishing clear and legally defensible procedures and policies on, you know, how that's going to work, making sure that the, the class is notified when it's on, um, making sure they don't inadvertently leave it off, you know, when everybody leaves and then maybe the teacher stays after with one student and you know that then becomes oh, broadcast <laughs> right like oh. you can imagine so you know there are safeguards that schools can put into place i um you know i prefer the the safeguards to be both with policies but then also on the devices themselves where you're using a device like for instance a lot of our webcams um do not have a, a light on the top that tells us when they're being accessed mm -hmm. and um, so, you know, purchasing technology that, that makes it very clear this is on right now, it's off right now, um, can help with that. And then also, you know, in terms of the, the, the signage and things like that, making sure that, that students and parents are aware that, hey, this may be live streamed, it may be recorded. Um, you know, we're not, we're not going to uh, record anything that's private, but just to let them know that that's something that, that may occur. Because another part of the issue, uh, you know, comes into play with um, the protection of students who maybe uh, their parents have opted out of having them on a, you know, photographed or videoed and, and having that, you know, disseminated. Um, so there are lots of different, lots of, lots of new things and really cool things out there. Um, but schools have to work with their legal counsel really carefully for some of them. Anytime it's going to involve, you know, recording or, um, you know, transmitting in any way, even if it's not recorded, because, you know, you could you have to always assume that, first of all, the, the wiretap laws do apply to both transmitted and recorded. Um, but you also have to assume that anything that's being transmitted is potentially going to be recorded. So you have to be um, you know, cognizant of that and making sure that you're not, uh, you know, okaying the transmission or the recording of anything that could potentially violate a privacy law. Mm -hmm. 
So with all these opportunities come challenges, right? <laughs> so <laughs> you've identified some safeguards, um, both policy and technology uh, that districts can put into place. Um, you know, the technology being it has a camera that's visible with a green light when it's turned on and policy being who's allowed to do what and, and when and even um, a little bit about an IEP team decision in terms of what's appropriate and what's needed for the FAPE. So with all of this, certainly there's potential for litigation um, as, as school districts make mistakes. You know, what do you see as some of the legal trends in regard, with regard to recording in the classroom? You know, what, what is some of the litigation that's occurring? And um, you know, why is it happening? What can we do to protect ourselves and make the, the best uh, decisions? Yeah, so I mean, the, the litigation is always going to be a little bit backward looking. So, um, you know, I do think that since technology is ever changing, we're, we're just seeing the very, very tip of this, you know, of this type of litigation. Um, primarily what we've been seeing uh, in the courts have been um, questions about whether or not parents have the right to record an IEP team meeting so that they can play it back later. Um, and we've also been seeing some concerns about, um, you know, well, what if a school has a, um, you know, a union contract that specifically says, hey, we're not going to permit this. And then we have a student who, you know, maybe the IEP team decides needs this for a special education program. And so we've seen some, some conflicts like this. There has been some, um, you know, some OSEP guidance early on. I think it, it goes even back to the 1990s that, that talks about, look, if a, if a student needs this for FAPE and they truly need it and, and it's been determined by the IEP team, um, you know, a, a, a collective bargaining agreement can't trump FAPE or there is going to be, um, you know, some Section 504 and IDEA um, liability. So we we have that, you know, it's, it's that's fairly well established, um, but we're seeing the, the cases that we're seeing, you know, come through the courts are really, you know, being looked at on a very fact-specific basis. What is it that the, you know, that the district is considering or the family's requesting, um, what are the needs of the parent or the student? Parents do have an obligation and, and the right to understand an IEP team meeting. Um, you know, but that being said, the courts have been fairly deferential at this point in allowing schools to come up with alternative ways because, you know, there is something to say to be said for um, the fact that you know, recording, especially in the classroom, but also at meetings like that could have a chilling effect on the conversation that takes place, you know, students not wanting to, um, you know, voice their opinions or, or you know, identify something because they're concerned that it is going to have a lasting impact or be recorded. And same thing for, for teams, you know, in, in our era of, um, you know, egregiously misinterpreted sound bites, it can be very damaging to, to have somebody take a, a piece of a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a really interesting case that came out of California a couple of years back where um, the, the, the uh, student sued a teacher 
for um, for religious discrimination, saying that the teacher was anti-Christian and was exposing uh, anti-Christian beliefs in the classroom. And in that case, though, it happened before the before the iPhone, which is there's like before iPhone and after iPhone litigation. Because before the iPhone, for somebody to record something, it was very difficult to record sound bites. Mm -hmm. uh, this child ended up recording the entirety of the course. So, you know, they, the court ended up at the highest level overturning it and favoring in on the, on the side of the school because they had the luxury of seeing everything that this professor had said. And, the, and, and it was a high school teacher and the high school teacher had been, um, you know, talking about things and, and saying things that were very inflammatory to get the kids thinking. And when you listened to the entirety of the class, that was clear. When you only listened to the inflammatory sound bites, that wouldn't have been clear. Now with our technology as it is, it's very easy to just record sound bites or to delete portions that um, you know you don't necessarily want to have available. So we're, we no longer you know have a society that has the luxury of listening to the entirety of the program mm -hmm. or the class or whatever. Um, you know, very rarely is that something that's that's on our phones. I mean, even our you know even our videos of our kids have gotten really short and you know very targeted um, because we're used to just taking portions of it. So that's what um, I think is is another part of the danger and the concern that schools have is the, the misinterpretation of what could actually be going on in a classroom. So you mentioned uh, meetings earlier and a scenario that that may happen in some of with some of our listeners. And so we have an IEP meeting and, and the parents are you know, really strong advocates and they want to record the meeting and I'm a principal, what should I do? Let them do that or stop it? Well, I mean, the first thing you want to do is never say no completely because, you know, you, again, with any policy uh, you have, what, the thing that gets schools into trouble is having a, a flat out no recording policy. Uh, you know, you they they should have a, a policy that prohibits recording unless it's required by under the IDEA or the ADA or 504. But again, where the schools are getting into trouble, it's where they say, oh, because of the Wiretap Act, we don't allow anybody to record. Um, so that's the first thing. But the second thing is you have to you know, consider what it is that the parent is requesting. Um, and if there is an alternative, for instance, there may be a parent who is saying, uh, you know, I don't understand English. Again, under the IDEA, parents have an entitlement to be able to understand what's going on. So, you know, having an interpreter there might be a reasonable alternative to having a recording. Um, there may be in the alternative parents that uh, maybe have memory issues or have um, potential problems with, um, you know, understanding, uh, you know, information as it's presented to them. Um, you know, again, you know, their recording may be a reasonable alternative to that or, you know, having somebody there with them to take notes, you know, take careful notes. And then also somebody who can, um, you know, answer any questions they have after the fact, mm -hmm. you know, can, can maybe be a, a, a good alternative. So um, you know, it's possible that you may have a situation where, 
uh, you know, recording is the only mechanism that will be, you know, a, a, a reasonable, uh, you know, accommodation for that for that parent's need. Um, but most of the time, there there are going to be alternative ways that are not going to pose, you know, that chilling effect and that sort of thing that, that I talked about. Good to know. So um, you mentioned earlier having, you know, protecting yourselves in two ways, you know, having a policy and procedures and, and having the equipment. What should be in the policy and, you know, what shouldn't the policy say so that it's truly not the one size fits all, we have no recording, <laughs> and it truly helps identify recording when it's in the best interest of the student or uh, when it is needed for providing FAPE? Yeah, so the, so the policy issue is a, it's a, a, a big, it's, a, it's a very sensitive issue. Um, and it is something that you definitely want to create in, you know, in, um, you know, in concert with your legal representative, make sure your attorney's involved in that. Because, again, you, you know, you don't want to say that we never allow recordings under any circumstances, but schools in this day and age, I think they, they do have an obligation to um, consider whether or not they want recording on school grounds in general. Um, and most schools do have, you know, whether it's in policy or whether it's, you know, a, you know, a, a procedural issue, um, they do have a prohibition. But I think that schools need to think about uh, having something a little bit more formalized that, again, their attorney can eyeball and, and help them develop. Um, but there always has to be that room for a potential accommodation. So if there is going to be a no recording policy, um, you know, there has to be an exception for where it is, where the, you know, the team has determined that it's necessary as an accommodation under the IDEA, the ADA, or Section 504. Um, but, you know, again, uh, you know, on the flip side, if you don't have a no recording policy, you could run into some problems if you just unilaterally decide, hey, we're not going to allow this person to record. So having the policy and having one that's very um, carefully worded and carefully considered is important because it's going to be very difficult to, um, you know, to, to preclude recording in those circumstances where you where you want to do it or you feel it's necessary if you don't have something like that to, to fall back on. So it is a fine line. And again, I, I highly encourage schools to make use of their school attorney to, to make sure that whatever language they come up with comports with the, you know, the, the disability-based laws, um, but also is protective enough to allow the schools to prohibit it um, where, it's, where it's legally appropriate. Mm -hmm. So sort of uh, not necessarily an education topic, but just curious about what your legal mind thinks about um, some of these trends that are out there. So we've probably seen these news stories about AIs, artificial intelligences, creating um, audio clips or even video clips of people saying things that they never said because the technology is becoming that advanced. Or um, I saw the other day in the news, um, Google unveiled uh, the sort of ro robocall artificial assistant where you can ask it to 
make a restaurant reservation and it will actually have a give and take conversation with a real human being. And it's very hard to understand or to, to discern which is the real voice and which is the artificial intelligence voice. So is there anything that we educators, I know that's probably pretty far off the radar, but who knows, technology changes so <laughs> fast. Uh, any, any, any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I think it's I think it's not only the fact that the technology is advancing so rapidly in that area, but it's also that, you know, how widespread and easily accessible that type of technology is like, you know, I talked about um, you know, the software that allows you to manipulate a video or a, a, a photograph or an audio recording. Um, a lot of that's available in freeware now. So I think that, um, you know, that those types of issues do, I, I think, give a little bit more substantiation to, to claims and concerns that, um, you know, there could be uh, you know, things that, again, are not only necessarily just taken out of context, but are, are modified and then thrown up on YouTube and, uh, you know, things like that. So I think that, you know, schools have to be forward thinking, especially when they're when they're looking at um, not only what can and cannot be recorded, but what can and cannot be posted publicly. So, you know, what are, you know, what are schools going to do if they find that, a student video of other students is posted up on YouTube. What are their What are their protocols? Um, do they have any prohibitions in their code of conduct for that sort of thing? Um, because those could contain sensitive information, and we we see a lot of evidence of cyberbullying these days, and um, issues where um, you know, it could be you know potentially devastating for something like that. Um, to, to go up online publicly about a student. And again, it, it may be true, it may be modified, nobody knows, but um, you know, are schools really developing uh, protocols to you know, be able to address that in a, in a straightforward manner? Because I think we're, we're at the point where it's, in t you know, it's, it's inevitable that that sort of thing is gonna happen. So they do have to start thinking about that. Um, the other thing I think that they need to be thinking about is the educational components of all of this, you know, making sure that the students are aware of, you know, what the issues are of the, the potential implications. And it's, it's hard with kids because you have to do it at a level that appeals to or that that's, that's appropriate for, um, you know, their particular, uh, you know, their their age and their maturity and their ability to understand. Um, but I think that we need to make sure that they're aware of some of these things like, you know, the, the wiretapping laws that do really prohibit some of this recording, but also, um, you know, the, the, the social and, and emotional implications of some of the things that they do online, because that's something that's very hard for students to understand, um, you know, that what I do on the internet now or what I'm posting, they're thinking, well, the school sees this, you know, there's, there's nothing private about it, I'm going to post it. Um, you know, understanding the implications of that. So I think that that, you know, that is a, um, I do not envy schools in that task because that's <laughs> is, you know, going to be really difficult to figure out how to do. We can, you know, we can pound out some great policy language, um, you know, to be as legally protective as possible. But I think that the, you know, the educational impact is huge as well. Yeah, I think when I 
see those examples of the technology out there, I think we need to focus more on helping kids understand what it's like to operate in that world in an ethical manner. And then also how to be more discerning about the content that you're consuming, including those audio files. Are those, are those authentic? Is there any possibility they're not? How would I determine that they're not? Um, things like that. So ethics and, and being more critical about the information that we consume. And I think like, uh, you know, regulating, you know, having them understand, you know, the privacy of others and, and what the implications are for some of the technology initiatives and, and valuing the privacy of others. Well, thank you, Aaron, um, for sharing that with us and helping us think a little differently about recordings and um, current practice, and hopefully our listeners gain some ideas as well. So what's next for you? What are you working on in the world of ed law that you would like to share with our listeners? Uh, I'm uh, primarily working these days on uh, getting out some some really good content for our webinars and um, some of our online trainings. I'm in the schools, you know, most of the school year, and so the summer is a fun time because it's it's when you know we can really put together some really good, um, you know, online programs. So you know, check it check out the website because we've got a whole bunch of really interesting uh, webinars coming up. And Erin, do you archive the webinars? Yes, so all of them are, are going to be available as recorded on-demand webinars as well. So Great. Mm -hmm. So even if our listeners miss the one that you have scheduled for June 21st, um, they can head over to edlawinteractive.com, and you're offering a discount for our listeners. Yes, and those are uh, generally put up about two weeks, between a week and two weeks after the original. So uh, if you don't see it right away, just come back. Um, and I did set up a, a promo code for you guys. So it's um, TL Talk Radio, all caps. Just put that in the discount uh, codes box and you guys will get 20% off. Or I think it's 25% off. So. All right. Great. Thank you, Aaron, for joining us and for our listeners to learn more about Aaron's work or to check out those webinars, either um, live or on demand. Uh, you can visit edlawinteractive.com. Don't forget to check out uh, the discount TL Talk Radio, all caps to receive a 25% discount. All right. Thanks for uh, being with us today, Aaron, and talking about audio and video recording. Thanks for having me. It's always great talking to you guys. Each episode, we leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking conversation. This episode's question, how significant of an issue is audio-video recording in your school context? If you've enjoyed today's episode, would like to comment or check out the resources shared today, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for Season 4, Episode 42. That's all for now. We'll be back soon with other conversations featuring other innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Aaron. Thanks, Aaron. Bye-bye. to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. 
That's IXL.com forward slash B-E.